Thank you for checking out the Christian Faith Center podcast. If this is your first time, we want you to know that you will not be met with shame, guilt, or condemnation. No matter what you've been through or what questions you might have, Christian Faith Center is a church where you will find the grace, mercy, and forgiveness Jesus gives to everyone. Our goal is to love people to life. change it up here a bit. There's a little story behind this. As I'm praying, my, my tablet is not charged. As I'm praying, my message gets deleted. So this is going to be a Holy Spirit-inspired message that I think each and every one of us are going to be be blessed this morning. But I don't know about you. I'm just super excited. I know that God is here. He's been, he's been waiting on each and every one of us this morning to enter. But I, I keep hearing this word, and it's going to fit uh, beautifully in the message this morning, and, and that is boldness boldness. Not, not stripping away fear, stripping away all the stuff that would hinder us and believing that God wants to move in our lives, that God wants to heal, that God wants to save. We have to believe that and strip away the fear in our lives. But see, we're continuing our, our series, The Real Jesus. Man, I, I, I couldn't tell you that this couldn't be a more profound time um, time of the year, time in the culture and society to bring and to present a message like this. And that the, the message that I'm communicating this morning is simply this, that Jesus is not the only way. The lie that Jesus is not the only way. See, today we live in a time that we've been connected better than anybody, than any, any generation prior to us, whether Facebook, whether it's Twitter, whether it's whatever, social media, the news, we are connected in a better way than we ever have before. But can I say this? People are easily offended because of that as well. Because our lives are on full display, and, and people uh, uh, post and, and put things and, and, and their opinions and even truth for that matter, and it's on full display for everyone to see. But we're, we're in a generation that is so much easier to offend people. I'm going to get a little real this morning. We're going to really get down to the roots this morning. I'm, I'm going to strip off the surface level. I think we're beyond that this morning. But see, in our culture today, it promotes tolerance for diverse opinions, and if we're honest, if we're honest with one another, it's a growing intolerance for the Word of God. See, I don't know about you, but it, maybe you've seen the news uh, recently that what they're trying to do is that the very Word of God, that the Bible, that they're trying to pass laws to say that it is hate speech because it is, it is speaking truth. Now, obviously, it's starting in California. I'm going to pick on them for a little bit. I'm from California. Forgive me. But they're, they're pushing this, that the truth can, cannot be displayed in, 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 even in the church, let alone schools and, and, and public gatherings. But we live in a society that's telling us that the word, that the truth, that the promises of Almighty God are hate speech. And that's a lie from the pit of hell itself. We live in a day that we're heightened sense of offense. Everybody gets offended by something. Well, you didn't dress the right way. You didn't act the right way. You didn't say the right thing in the right context. You didn't do your hair the right way. We get offended on the smallest of smallest things. But see, we're using emotion to reason. We're using motion, uh, emotion to dictate our life. We're using emotion to respond to circumstances and situations. Well, we need to be 
going back to the word of Almighty God and the real Jesus and what he says in the matter. See, the Bible is, is full of answers if we would just open it up and read it. You're seeking answers. You're, you're seeking clarity. You're seeking direction in your life. It, it's, it's found in the word and the promises, but it's hard to stand on the promises and the word of God if we don't read it and we don't know it. We said last Sunday that we're in a generation that's Bible illiterate. They just don't know what the word says. So when they're challenged and when they're confronted by people, maybe in their school with a question, maybe a simple question, they have a hard time answering and testifying to his word because they don't know what it says. All right. Kids zone's rocking it in there. Praise God. I love that. I've been praying that for years, guys. But the best defense in a culture of offense is the truth of God. The best defense in a culture that we live in of full of offense is the truth of God. Not hate speech, not hating the person, but hating the sin. There's a distinct difference. But see, the world today would like to, to, to collectively combine all of it together. But see, we see so many teaching. I saw people teaching. People are communicating on the news and social media. Oh, there's different ways. There's different paths to heaven. Whatever one works for you, bro. Come on, let's get real this morning. How many times have we heard that? How many times have maybe we believed that in our life, that there's different ways? Yeah, I like that, but man, I, every time I get into that, to the, to the Jesus guy you keep talking about, man, things start changing, and I, I'm uncomfortable with that. So maybe I'm going to take the loop around. Friends, there is no loop around. There is no loop around to get to heaven. There is no loop around to be in the presence of Almighty Father. It is through Jesus and through Jesus alone. No matter what the world tries to tell us. Or maybe you heard this question. How do you know that, that Jesus is really the only way to God? How do you know that? Because it says it in the word. Jesus himself said it. But I want to be honest with all of us. A lot of us have a hard time answering that question. Is Jesus the only way? Come on, we're, we're going to get real this morning. Even us here in the church, Christianese, we're... They grew up in a church forever. But we, we, we get in our place. We get in a place of defense where we need to be testifying to his word, not defending it. See, the Bible, the Bible can sustain anything. It's the word of God. It doesn't need to defend itself. We just need to be able to testify. We need to be able to share with people the change in our lives because of his word, because of the promises, the things that we can stand on, because of the radical life change in my life, because of, I allowed Jesus to enter into my heart and into my life. That's what this generation wants to see. They want to see real, tangible evidence. They don't need to see Jesus manifest in human form before them. They want to see the change in us. They want to see the change in us. What difference are you to someone else that's living in, in habitual sin? Is there a difference in your life? I'm going to let that settle in for a minute. Is there a difference? But we see we try so hard not to offend people in society. We, we, we almost water down the word. We, we put a little bit of a sprinkle of this and a sprinkle of that because we don't want to offend people. And maybe we don't want to lose friends. I can't tell you how many friends I've lost. I can't tell you how many family members think I was drinking the Kool-Aid. But I stand on his word because I meditate in the word. And I know what he says. I know what his promises are for my life. Do you? 
Because if you do, when those trials and tribulations and people that are closest to you come against it, you have something firm to stand on. And then as you stand on it and as you walk in obedience, your life will change. Your, your life will unravel. The, the, the layers of the onion will continue to be unpeeled in your life till you get to the root of what's going on. And then when people in your life see the change in your life, they're going to say, okay, you've talked about this this Jesus guy for a long time, but I see the difference. I see how you, you respond to situations and chaos in your life. Can you tell me a little bit about this Jesus? And that is when the opportunity is presented to you to share the good news with your friends, your coworkers, your family. But we have got to stop watering down the gospel. We've got to stop watering it down so, so that way people aren't offended. See, the Bible is not offensive. It's convicting. And, and it's when you make that change, you make, you make that shift of, you know, i got to tell you, i got to be honest. When I read the Bible at first, man, it was offensive. It's like, how dare you say that about my life? How did you know that? How did you know I was going to walk into that? But see, something changed in my life. It now became conviction because I sought the change. It's like, God, I, I know that I'm in the wrong. I know that I am sinning. But see, that it's, it doesn't come with the condemnation. It comes with love. It comes with grace. It says, son, daughter, I know where you're at. I know you're in the valley. I know you're struggling with addiction. I know you're struggling in this situation. But here is my hand. Would you allow yourself to grab a hold of it? And I will pull you up this morning. Maybe that's a word for someone this morning, that he wants you to just grab a hold with everything that you have and to allow him to pull you up, not with condemnation, but with love this morning. But it's conviction. And conviction's okay because that brings about change in our lives. If I was never convicted about things, I, I'd have to really start questioning about things in my life and whether I'm truly seeking God or not. On a daily basis, God checks me up on things. Man, why are you thinking that? Or why, why is the coffee more important than this situation? You know, sometimes it's those small things. But as you walk with God, and, and as you allow the Holy Spirit to continue to, to unravel things in your life, and you continue to walk with Him, it's on a daily basis. If you, if you listen enough, He'll speak to you in every situation. He'll speak to you in the car. Man, heaven knows I need, I need prayer when I'm driving on the highway in Idaho. I get caught, every time I get on the highway, I get cut off, every time. The merging here, it just, just pray for me. But I know he's present there, thank God. But see, it's not just then. It's, it's in the times where you're just sitting on the couch and you're just pondering, where are you? And he's sitting right next to you. I say, son, daughter, I got something I, I want to say to you. You've been seeking that direction, I'm right here. It seems dark, I am that light. You're thirsty, I am the living water. You're hungry, I am the bread. If you would just listen. See, the scripture that I want to get into this morning is found in John chapter 14, verse 6. And it's real simple. It's not a long one. I'm going to keep it real simple. One passage. And it says this. I'm going to be reading out of the NIV version this morning. Jesus answered, I am the way. I want you to highlight, I am. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one, I repeat, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus' words, not mine. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. Lord, would you allow me to step out of your way this morning? I'm already very far away from my notes and everything else, God, but I know that you're the great I am.
and you will speak to your people regardless of situations and circumstances. Lord, would you just speak through me this morning, clearly as clear could be, and challenge us, encourage us, and remind us that you are the great I am. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point I have this morning is simply this. Jesus is the way. He said it himself. Jesus is the way. But I want us to really look at that statement that I asked you to highlight. The I am. See, we a lot, oftentimes we get to the good stuff. We want to get to the meat. But we forget those small, small words. I am. That doesn't seem significant, right? But if you look in the Greek language, this is a very intense way to describe someone. This is about the most intense way in itself. He's saying, I myself and only I, only under my power and my authority, I am staking claim to the statement that I am the way, the truth, the life. And absolutely nobody, I don't care if you're black, white, what background you come from, you're poor, you're rich, there is no way to the Father, there is no way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. Under his power, under his authority, Jesus was saying, this is my statement, and I have the power and authority to make it. No one else can stake this claim. Did you know that this is one of very few I am statements from the very lips of Jesus in the New Testament? So anytime you, you hear the word, I am, pay attention. Because it's used with emphasis. It's used with a strong intense. He is, and only he is. See, I've heard many times, like I said earlier this morning, there are many ways to heaven. I've heard preachers say this. I've heard teachers say this. I've even heard Oprah say this. Now, we laugh, but the influence Oprah has by making a statement like that, well, there's multiple ways to heaven. Different, different, I guess different boats, different paths. Yeah, there, there are many paths, but there are many paths that lead to the gates of hell. There's only one path that leads to the gate to heaven, and that's Jesus Christ. And that's a truth, and that's a word that this generation needs to hear. But he makes it very clear, following me, following Jesus that's it. And I, could, I don't have keys on me, but I could just imagine. Imagine I'm an audio and a video, visual and an audio learner. Yeah, I'll take those. All right. A Patriots fan, just saying. <laughs> I, I could just imagine. When, come on. Come on. Show me the love. But I could just imagine as Jesus is walking, you're just hearing these keys. Keys to death. Keys to the grave. Keys to hell saying, I have them. I am the great I am. And that is the Messiah, the Lord of the Lords, the King of Kings, Jesus Christ. Man, I don't see Satan walk around with keys. He ain't got no keys. Jesus does. That's why he is the only way. It's an exclusive path. No forks. No other ways to get there. Only through Jesus, baby. It's not through works. I hear this all the time. Man, if I'm just a good person, mm, I'm a good person. I'm getting to heaven. I do good things. I tithe. Ooh, got quiet in here. I, I, I give. Good works will not get you to heaven. I want to make that very clear. A lot of religions believe that. It has nothing to do with you. I didn't see you hanging on the cross for sin. I didn't see you hanging on the cross for me. I didn't see you shed your blood for me. Jesus Christ is the only one. Sinless, spotless Lamb of God. 
Died for each and every one of us. I don't care what you're wrapped up in. I don't care the sin that you're in. I don't care the circumstance or the situation that you're in. He loves you. He is the great I am. And he has come to rescue you. Sons and daughters. But you can't work to get it. It ain't nothing about you. Nothing you can do. Look at Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. If you would with me this morning. I want to read this. It says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. You need to understand, good people go to heaven, but good people also go to hell. Sinners go to heaven, but they also go to hell and heaven if they accept Jesus. Jesus. It's always been about Jesus. It'll always be about Jesus. He's the one. He's the great I am. The one and the only way. You get to that place of acknowledging him and his grace, regardless of where you're at in your life, his mercy. I remember this time we were in the, uh, I was in the military and we were in the desert in the middle of the night and there's nothing more terrifying than being lost in the desert at night. It is, when it's dark in the desert, you see nothing. You want to talk about pitch black? It is dark. And we're all, we're all freaking out, and we don't see anybody, and we're hearing things over there. And, and all of a sudden, one person comes in with a light, says, I know the path. I can get you there. So we, we kind of just stumbled, and we were kind of following him, and we're just like, well, I don't know who this person is. Hopefully we can trust him, but we're, we're moving through it. And he got us to where we need to be, and we walked through some pretty heavy stuff. But I'm telling you here this morning, the same is true, and more importantly in your life, that if you would follow the light, which is Jesus Christ, and you would allow him to guide you through your circumstances, to guide you through your situation, you will walk right through it in Jesus' name. But you've got to follow him, and you've got to look to the light, and you've got to be drawn to the light and you need to move if it doesn't do you any good to see the light if you just stand you got to move if the donkey didn't go anywhere it it wouldn't have done jesus a whole lot of good right the the ark is not going to build itself it requires obedience on our part we've got to do something see he can do it without us but he doesn't want to he wants our participation He wants us to be active in our faith, to walk outside these walls and say, Sir, ma'am, I don't know you, and I know this might sound crazy to you, but I feel like God said something to me, and I want to speak life into you in Jesus' name. You're looking for healing? It it comes from him, Jesus Christ. You're looking for answers? It comes through the word, and it comes through Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ alone. Are you with me this morning, church? I told you I'm feisty this morning. I'm feisty. I'm feisty. But it saddens me that people are choosing every single day to go to hell. Whether they know it or not, but they're making a choice. We have two choices. When you break everything down in life, you always have two choices. We teach our daughter this. You learn this in school. Two choices. But at the end of the day, we have two choices. Do we follow Jesus or do we not? And by that simple choice determines all of your eternity. Not Buddhism. Atheism, Islam, see, they all lead to the gate of hell. I told you I'm going to get real this morning. I've read the Quran. They talk about Jesus, but only Jesus is a man. But i got to tell you something right now. Muhammad, he didn't rise from no grave. Muhammad ain't alive. Buddha ain't alive. But my Lord, Jesus Christ, is alive and sitting at the right hand of Almighty God. That's the difference. He holds the keys. The path is narrow because he is it. Jesus is it. 
All right, we'll move on. Jesus is the truth. I love in John chapter 18, verse 37. It says, you are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. Now, I want you to listen to this last phrase. A lot of times I say we're going we're to skip through some words, but listen to what Pilate says. What is truth? See, on its own merit, just by itself, what is truth just sounds like a regular statement. But it said, what is truth? And in my version, it says, retorted Pilate, meaning he said it with anger. He said it like, truth. You don't know truth, man. Get out of my face. Completely didn't respond. The truth was sitting literally in the flesh before him, and he didn't recognize it. Let us not be like Pilate. And turn our, turn our back because we don't understand the truth. Because we don't know the truth. But you need to hear what Pilate said. What is the truth? How many times have you heard that maybe in society? What's the truth? Man, I've been through life. 36 years old, I've seen an awful lot for a 36-year-old. What's truth? Jesus is truth. The word is truth. That's where it is. See, but Jesus was born to bear witness to the truth. Bear witness to the truth. I I, I go back there and I don't see, he didn't come here to defend the truth. He came here to witness to the truth. See, each and every one of us need to testify and witness to the truth in our own personal lives. You want to see a revival? Start with your family. Share it with your family. Let it go to your coworkers. Let it go to your friends. And let the walls of Hades fall to the floor and let his kingdom come from city to city to city. Because I believe in faith that we are going to reach the city of Caldwell for his glory in Jesus' name. Because people are obedient and they listen. They know the truth. They know that he's the way. And they testify to it. I don't have to defend the Bible. It will defend itself. I just need to share with my family, the goodness of God and what he's done in my life. If you've seen my life years ago to where it is now, there is no other explanation than God intervened in a miraculous way, saved me, brought me out of, and through some stuff. Only God could do that. I could not have done that on my own. Could not have done that at home. You've seen pictures. My friends still to this day do not believe that I'm even capable of getting on the stage and speaking truth into people's lives. That I'm even into church. I was one of those people that, oh, man, if I come to church, lightning's coming down. Baby, it's going to burn down. That's where I was at. But the life change is what they're going to see. They're not going to hear what I say. I can can quote scripture all day long. It's going to go one ear and out the other ear. But when they see your life changed, that's the difference. That Because they are seeing Jesus in your life transform new creation, moving in the Holy Spirit, people slaying in the Spirit next to you because you have that much faith that you believe and you stand on His promises and His truth. I long for the day where we could just, we would be a people where you would walk by and people would be healed by your shadow. Not because of us. I want to make that clear. It's because of Jesus. But because you believe in the move of the Spirit and His power and authority so much that you see the world change all around you. The shadows will turn to light. I love that song. The darkness trembles because the power and the authority that comes with it because he's walking with the keys. He's got the authority. 
But we need to hear the truth. This world needs to hear our friends. Guys, I have family members that don't truly believe in Jesus Christ. They know of him. I have somebody in the family that's an atheist, knows the Bible from Genesis to the maps, literally photographic memory, but has no relationship with Jesus. It's just words. How do you transform? How do, how do you get that, that six-inch drop from the in intellect into the heart into a true relationship with Jesus? You show them a changed life. You show them your life. And you show them they know where you've been. They know your, where the skeletons are. They know the sin that you were in. But they want to see your life transformed. They want to see a difference in your life. But we need to not be like Pilate, that we suspend judgment. Because we simply didn't know. We plead ignorance. I don't know. What does the Bible say? I have no idea. We don't need to be, we need to get into the word. And I'm not saying you've got to memorize the whole scripture. The devil knows the scripture. But it's the scripture from here to here, and you understand the power and authority in which it comes from. That's the difference maker. But we don't need to play ignorance on issues that really matter. Suspend judgment in areas in our life that matter simply because we just don't know the truth. Moral absolute. Love that word. A lot of people don't believe in moral absolute, but when you get punched in the nose, you believe that aggressor is pretty guilty, don't you? That's a moral absolute. But if, check this, if, but if there were no moral absolutes in life, then the judge could say the person punching his nose was not guilty because truth is relative. You hear that word, right? Relative. And for him, it was a good thing to punch you. Makes no sense, but this is the world that we live in that they believe. But you would say that that was a bad judge, yes? Moral absolutes. What are you ignoring today as a truth in your life? I told you I'm going to strip some layers of onions over. What are you ignoring as truth? Because you're in a place of offense rather than convicting in your life. What, what, what did you read last week in the scripture that just, ah, just got right to your spirit, right to your heart, like, oh, just made you feel ugly? That's not condemnation. That, that's the conviction. And he's trying to speak something to you this morning. He said, you need to make a tweak. You need to make an adjustment in your life. You need to make an adjustment the way you speak, the way that you speak to your brother or your, or your wife this morning. You need to just make a little tweak. And then that offense turns into conviction. That conviction turns into change in your life. And it cha that change turns into growth. I love growth. See, God doesn't particularly mind if I'm comfortable, but he's not concerned with my comfort. He's more concerned with my growth. Where am I going? Am I walking in the destiny and the path that he's unfolded before me? Or am I a fool just looking at every shiny object and just withering away and flying over to anything that's new, the new thing, the new I this, the new Fitbit? Now, we're on Fitbits. I've been looking for Fitbits. So. But it consumes your time. You don't realize we were looking. I was looking at Fitbits the other day. This has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But I was looking at Fitbits the other day. It literally consumed an hour of my time. And you know what? God checked me up on it, too. He said, really? You're going to spend an hour looking at Fitbit watches? How much time have you spent with me? Come on. That's conviction. He's not trying to condemn me. He's bringing conviction in my life. He's just trying to reveal something like your priorities are just a little out of whack. But there are absolute truths. But see, we, we've bought this absolute truth that people think that you're intolerant. They think we're intolerant. We're prejudiced against them. What others think. They think if you hate them, if you hate them, I want that word to settle in. 
They think that you hate them and not the sin. That's where the world is confusing. See, the devil's really good at taking scripture and just, just twisting it just a little bit. Just a little bit. Just finding bits and pieces. Man, if you, if you take bits and pieces of scripture and you don't know the absolute truths and the promises, man, you, you can justify just about anything. But you're taking and you're piecing it apart to apply it in your life when it needs to be revealing something in yours. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a quote in this Idaho so I can read out of Duck Dynasty. But it's, guys, y'all, this is pretty profound. I mean, this is, this is good stuff right here. And it says this. Yeah, Duck Dynasty, you got that right. You can write that down. Our culture has accepted two huge lies. The first is that if you just disagree with someone's lifestyle, you must fear or hate them. First lie. The second is that to love someone means you agree with everything they believe and everything they do. Both are nonsense. You do not, I want you to hear this. If you, this is tweetable too if you want to write this down. You do not have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. I want that to settle in because that, that hit me right in the feelers the other day. You do not have to compromise convictions to be compassionate. See, that reminds me of a time when we were going traveling to California. Crazy story, going to a wedding. Everybody knew what we did. I, I don't go anywhere. I never say, I'm the pastor. I, I don't ever do that. I just walk in there. If they know me, that's great. If not, then that's great too. But I walk in there. And everybody knows. It's like almost like everybody's watching what's going to happen. We have a friend who has a, an alternative lifestyle. And, and he's a very tall, good-looking guy. And everybody was wanting to see what the reality. Okay, well, whoa, there's a pastor. There's a sinner. You know, they, they wanted to see what was going to happen. The first thing I did was walked up in there. I broke every wall, every chain. I gave him the biggest hug that I could possibly give a human being. Simply because I love him. I don't care what he's walking in. I don't care the sin that he's wrapped up in. I'm a sinner too. How dare I condemn him? But I love him. I don't love the sin, but I love him. And, and, and people were blown away like, what are you doing? I didn't think you, and that, this is the lie. I thought you didn't agree with his lifestyle. I don't, but I love him. I've known him for a long time. I love him, and I would do a lot of things for him because I love him that much, and that's how much God loves us. But yet we were sinners. He died for each and every single one of us, not an exclusive club. Every single one of us is welcome into the kingdom if we would come through Jesus Christ. But see, today people are telling us that experience life to the fullest, man. I got cars, I got boats. But that's the truth that they're in. To them, that is truth. That is what life is all about, is acquiring wealth and things. But it's not absolute truth. Culture is telling us, if it works for you. I had somebody in my family tell me this. If it works for you, man, that's awesome. But I don't need it. I don't need that Jesus guy you keep talking about. My life is good. I'm successful. I'm wealthy. I've got everything I need. But if, the, if you unravel just a couple layers, you don't have to get down into the onion. Just a couple layers, it's void, there's hopelessness, there's pain, there's unforgiveness. But see, oftentimes we want to conceal it because when you open it up, it stinks. Come on. When you unravel things and you want to get to the root of it, sometimes it just stinks. And we want to cover it back up again. We say, no, expose it so I can come in and cover it with my love and cover it with my grace and my mercy. 
But see, I always find it funny that agnosticism and relativism really on the deathbed, boy, they're challenged. <laughs> they're the ones like, oh, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God, but man, what it is time coming. They are cramming for the final exam, and all of a sudden they believe in God. Well, it starts challenging those perspectives and the lies that they believe their entire life. They come to that moment. See, it's easy to say you're agnostic when life is good and you're healthy, but man, when you're on that bed and time's a ticking, it's going to be a lot harder of a choice. It's not so clear. You're like, well, I don't know. If I'm wrong, I'm in the ground. If you're wrong, your eternity is sealed forever. I don't mean to get super heavy, but guys, we got to get real. we got to get real with people. Heaven and hell are real places. They're not just uh, fairy tales. They're not just imagery of, of horribleness and glory. They're real places. Just as real as we are here sitting here today in the physical flesh. They are that real. But knowing the truth is a matter of eternal life and death. That is why so much is at stake. That's why he wants our obedience. Because every time you usher, every time you greet, every time you preach, every time you pray, every time you sing, lives are on the line. It's that serious. Lives are being changed and transformed before your eyes. Take ownership of it. I don't care if you, you hold the bucket. You know that in faith that somebody's stepping out for the very first time and, re- and giving an offering and a tithe for the very first time, and their life is going to change from that point on. That's the conviction. That's the, 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 the boldness that we need to have. But see, Jesus did not keep this truth of God secret. It wasn't like a secret club that only the boys could come into. We see that in John chapter 18, verse 20. He says, I have spoken openly to the world, Jesus replied. I, have, I always taught in the synagogues or at the temple where all, circle, all the Jews come together. I said nothing in secret. He even broke it down in parables so we can get it. Think about it. He wanted to make sure that it was absolutely clear in what he was communicating. So he broke it down in a way that they could understand. I love that. That's why I love the message sometimes because sometimes I just look at it and I'm like, man, I don't understand a word. What's going on here in Old Testament? I don't understand this. And then it unravels some things and, and some things that were going on and it breaks it down. And then I can go back and, excuse me, into the word. So, oh, that's what you meant. But nothing is secret. It's not a secret club. We need to be, be claiming the good news everywhere we go, sharing it. When people have questions, answer them with boldness. Don't, don't come with hate or anger or, or conviction. Just say, this is what the Word says. Want, want me to help you walk through this? Be a mentor. Do you need a mentor in your life? Do you want to be a mentor? See, here are some truths that we, need, we can hang our hats on. We are all sinners. All of us. Every single one of us is a sinner. Jesus saves. Jesus heals. Yes, he still heals today. Jesus heals. He baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, and Jesus will come again. Those are some truths you can hang your hat on today. See, and we look in John chapter 8, verse 32, it says, then you will know the truth. You will know the truth, and the truth will what? It will set you free. So if you know Jesus, you know the truth, and therefore, if you know the truth, it has set you free, because if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Come on, can I get an amen this morning, church? Freedom. 
Freedom comes with knowing Jesus, knowing his word, the promises. But see, there is a, a big difference between opinion and truth. Opinion is found in man's experience. Opinion is found in your experiences in life. What you've gone through formulates opinions. But the truth is only found in God's word, not an opinion of man. The 40 authors of the Bible, it was not their opinions they were writing down. It was Holy Spirit-inspired word of God put on their lives to say, write this down. So generations and generations can come to know that I am the great I am, that I am still with them. I was with you in the desert. I am with you today, and I will be with you generations to come. But truth is only found in God's word. And my third and final point is this. Jesus is the life. I love this. Jesus is the life. He really is. People think you're just missing out. Oh, once you enter in a relationship with Jesus, you can't have fun anymore. I used to be one of those. I used to say it all the time. Oh, you're one of those guys. Okay, yeah. Have fun with that. But, man, I can't tell you how much joy and how much fun I have walking in the presence of Almighty Father. Every single step of the way, baby, it is fun. There's nothing more enjoyable than, than walking in, in, into a room and then God highlighting somebody and said, I just want you to sit down next to them. I just want you to speak life into that person. And then you're watching their life change before your eyes. You're watching the Lord just unstrip things and just breaking walls down. And then you're able to help them walk through and walk out of those chains. That's the life. But see, Jesus is the substance. He's the meat. If there's any vegans in here, I'm sorry, but I like meat. You gotta have meat with a meal. Oh, come on. Ribs, steak. It's gotta be a big meal, big ribs. But see, but oftentimes it, it's it's Jesus' word, his truth in his life. It's not the seasoning that we dash on on, on the on the meat when we need it. Well, I, I need Jesus. I'm struggling. A little bit of Jesus salt. I need some help. Jesus pepper. Beep, beep, beep. No. He is the substance. He is not the seasoning. He is the, the substance. But see, you can't have a real meal without the real substance. I don't see people eating salt and pepper. If you do, come talk to me. Let them pray for you. But you need to put the salt and pepper on the meat. There's got to have substance. And the same thing is true in your life. You cannot have life without the substance of Jesus Christ. Come on, can I get an amen? You've got to have the substance of the word. You've got to have the substance of the truth and the presence of Almighty God. See, I find it funny that scientists always try to disprove God. Here's what science says. We need four basic elements to survive. I think we could probably all agree. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Water, air, food, and light. See, if I look at my Bible, it tells me everything I need to know about Jesus. And this is what the Bible says about Jesus. He is the living water. He is the breath of life. He is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. See, science got it right, baby. We need Jesus in our life to survive. Every time science tries to disprove Almighty God, they just further advance the kingdom and they further prove him. God created the stars. God created some creatures. I don't know why, but he created them. God created science. 
All for a purpose. Jesus is the living water. We need the helper. We need the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but marriage can have challenges. Life can have challenges. Your kids, man, they can have some challenges. Your finances, the list goes on and on. You need a helper. And Jesus knew you couldn't do it alone. So he sent you the helper, the Holy Spirit in your life that lives inside you to help you in every situation and circumstance in your life. But sometimes we forget to ask or even listen. Like sometimes it's, it's the simple things. Do I go to Walmart to shop? If I would have listened, he would have said, no, I'd go to Target. Right? I'm joking. <laughs> Come on. It's, it's getting heavy in here. I got to lighten it up a bit. But it's, it's, it's the everyday, the mundane as we think of it as, Lord, where, where do I step next? What season do I walk into next? Where do I go? Where do I serve? Where do I plug in? Holy Spirit, help me. I'm struggling. I'm fasting, and I know I need to fast, but I need coffee. Help me. And he will. Stands true to his promise. But Jesus knew that we would need the help. See, you have to understand something. That sin is seeking relief from a thirst in something other than God. Sin comes about when you are seeking to quench that thirst from a source outside of Almighty God. That's why we're always thirsty when we're not seeking and we're not going to Jesus for everything. The living water. Never thirsty, never hungry. He says that Jesus is the bread. We need his word. The bread is the Bible, the word that he had given us. John chapter 6, verse 35 said, Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But backtrack a few more, and it says, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. It says, Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Come on. The Bible, the truth, how you live life, how you respond, it's found in the Word, the bread of life. Life in His very own words, given to us to pass on generation to generation. Jesus, there, the breath. We depend on His very breath from the moment we were born to every heartbeat that we have to this moment. See, the body is a marvelous work. See, again, I wanted to get into science because it further proves the miraculous work of God. Did you know that the average brain has 100 million nerves traveling at 170 miles an hour? That's incredible. The stomach needs to produce a new layer of mucus every two weeks or it would self-digest. That's disgusting. The human thigh bone, it is stronger than poured in in, in, uh, dried concrete. The skull is made up of 29 different bones. 12 million blood vessels are destroyed in the body every single second. Amazing. Every year, almost every single atom in your body will be replaced. I don't know about you, but that points to an almighty God, the great I am. That's not coincidence. That's not science. That's God. That is the handiwork of God, the the masterpiece that each and every one of you are created. Jesus is the light. We need to see. We need to see physically. We need to see spiritually. In John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am. And now what it says, he spoke. He was yelling. He had to yell to the top of his lungs. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the life 
of life. See, again, we need to see physically, but we also need to see spiritually. We need to allow him to come over us into our lives and to allow the, 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 um, the veil, if you will, in our lives to be ripped off of our eyes and to be able to see what's actually going on. Yeah, I see that you're struggling, you're angry, but why are you angry? What's, what's in there? What, what's going on in your life, in your situation? Did you lose somebody this week? Was there a loss? But see, sometimes we want to treat just the surface level. The Holy Spirit's like, oh man, I want to get, I want to, get to the nitty gritty. I want to get deep. Because that's where the change is going to happen. I can change my clothes, but I'm still the same person. But if I'm changed on the inside, by Jesus, everything will change. The way I respond, the way I act, the way I smile. Yeah, maybe even the way I dress, the way I do my hair will change. But see, did you ever notice, I noticed this the other day, we're trying to grow corn, it's semi-successful. So I have this little plant tray that every time I put it out in the light, you ever watch plants when the sun comes up? They're always bending toward the sun, always. Like you can literally, they almost uproot themselves as they bend out of the box to get to the sun. Why aren't we doing that in our lives? Aren't we almost to that, that, that point there? Wherever direction he's, he's leading us, that we're always leaning towards the Son, Jesus Christ. In every situation, why aren't we leaning toward him? In the darkness, you know, they kind of wither away and they don't want to be a part of that, but always drawn and bending toward the light. Heaven and hell are real places. Each and every one of us are destined to one of them when we die. Jesus came so that we could enter back into a relationship with him. With that, I want to share this, this story, and I thought it was profound, and then I'm going to close with this, I promise. It says, one day I woke up early in the morning to watch the sunrise. Oh, the beauty of God's creation is beyond description. As I watched, I praised God for his beautiful work. As I sat there, I felt the Lord's presence with me. He asked me, do you love me? I answered, of course, God. You are my Lord and my Savior. Then he asked, if you were physically handicapped, would you still love me? I was a bit perplexed. I looked down at my arms and my legs and wondered the things that I couldn't do, the things that I even took for granted. And I answered, well, Lord, it would be tough, but I would still love you. Then the Lord said, if you were blind, could you still love my creation? How could I love something that I wasn't able to see? Then I thought to myself, all the blind people in the world that marvel at his creation. So I answered, it's kind of hard to think of, but yeah, Lord, I'd still love you. The Lord then asked me, if you were deaf, would you still listen to my word? How could I listen to you if I couldn't hear? Listening to God's word is not merely using our ears, but it's listening with our heart. Realize that. It would be tough, but I, I would still listen to your word. I love you, Lord. If you were mute, would you still praise my name? How could I praise you without a voice? Then it occurred to me. God wants us to sing from our very heart and our soul. It never matters what we sound like. Praise God, I'm not a singer. And praising God is not always with a song, but when we are persecuted, we give God praise with our words of thanks. So I answered, though I couldn't, couldn't physically sing, I still praise your name. And the Lord says, do you really love me? With courage, strong conviction, and boldness, I answered, yes, Lord, I love you. You are the one, the true, the great I am. I thought I had answered it really well. But then God asked, then why do you sin? I answered, because I'm only human. I'm not perfect. Then why in times of peace do you stray the furthest? Why in times of trouble do you pray the, the earnest? No answers, only tears. The Lord continued, why only sing in fellowships and retreats? Come on. 
When only in times of worship, why ask for things selfishly? Why think, why ask things so unfaithfully? The tears continue to roll down the cheeks. When you are ashamed of me, why do you not spread the good news? Why in times of persecution you cry to others when I offer my shoulder to cry on? Why make excuses when I give you opportunity to serve in my name? I tried to answer, but there was no, no answer to give. You are blessed with life. I have made you not to throw this gift away. I have blessed you with the talents to serve me, Jesus. But you continue to turn away. I have revealed my word to you, but you do not gain knowledge. I have spoken to you, but your ears were closed. I have shown my blessings to you, but your eyes were turned away. I have sent you servants, but you sat idly by. Do you truly love me, the Lord says. I couldn't answer. How could I? I was embarrassed beyond belief. I had no excuse. What could I say? Then my heart and my tears overflowed. I said, please forgive me, Lord. I am unworthy to be your child. Then the Lord answered, that is my grace, my child. I asked, then why do you continue to forgive me? Why do you love me so? The Lord answered, because you are my creation, my child. I will never abandon you. I want someone to hear that this morning. I will never abandon you. When you cry, I will have compassion and cry. When you shout with joy, I will laugh with you. When you are down, I will encourage you. When you fall, I will raise you up. And when you are tired, I will carry you. I will be with you to the end of the days, and I will love you forever. Never have I cried so much before in my life. How could I ever been so cold? How could I have turned my back to God and hurt God the way I did? I ask God, Lord, how much do you love me? And he stretched out his nail-pierced hands and said this much. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to offer you this invitation to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe you never have or maybe you did at one point and you kind of just strayed away, you turned away, you, you wanted to do things on your own. I want to give you that opportunity this morning to make things right with him because Jesus is the only way. And he's reaching his hand out to you this morning. Say, son, daughter, I have not forsaken you. I have not abandoned you. I have been here all along. For more information about Christian Faith Center, please visit experiencecfc.com Thank you for listening.